Isn't that great to think about praising God forevermore? Did you picture yourself in heaven? And then did you picture yourself on earth praising God forevermore? Amazing. Just to lift our hands in church, worship God, and say this is where I belong. Yeah, we're home. It's a place where I get fed. Um, just giving a testimony about the MBCNS retreat. It was for the juniors and seniors this weekend. And uh, it was from Friday until uh, yesterday afternoon. And uh, what, a, what a great time it was. And uh, we had about 20, 20 some students there, uh, seven or eight, um, like faculty, uh, like mentors, you know, uh, leaders uh, there with the students. And we, uh, we all lived in the same facility. Uh, Pastor Matt Garrett actually cooked us breakfast in the morning. That was amazing. Um, and, uh, we just, we just, uh, I guess we, we realized we're one when we were there. Uh, these students, uh, juniors and seniors, uh, just with their vision, uh, to, uh, be changed by God, their commitment to hear the word of God. Uh, this is what they're going to do with their lives. Uh, it's just, Beautiful to see. And then the messages. Uh, I, I, like, how do I give a, a testimony about something I experienced and that, that, that maybe you didn't or somebody else didn't? Um, I guess you can just come away so thankful for our body and what we do. And, uh, and this, another thought of this weekend. We, I, maybe you've heard it before, but if you heard the theme of the messages from uh, Pastor Ronaldo, uh, Pastor Matt, Pastor Schaller, and myself, you would hear this amazing oneness of sound. And it's not confusing to the students. And the students can find Jesus Christ in it. And our students aren't like left to think alone, but our faculty is actually leading the charge in the message that we're giving our students about who God is. And it's really, it's really, uh, it's a supernatural work. You know, it's like the way the Bible was put together with so many authors, um, but it reveals one God. There's a sense of that, like, you know, when you listen to the messages of the preachers, and who they're presenting and how they're presenting the nature of God. And we are all marching to the same, you know, drumbeat, the same nature of God. And, and these students, it's just this verse I just want to read from Ephesians chapter four. It's been in my mind this morning. I just love this word vocation. It just represents a, a calling. It represents actually what it means is you could say, um, it's a framework around our lives. Our lives are inside of that frame. The frame is not broken. And you're feasting on the salvation of God. And, and this is the place of your operation for your life. And we saw, we, we're seeing, we, we, we have students that are, are doing that with their lives. And they've, they're called out from something and called into something. And they're, they're putting their lives inside of that frame. And, you know, we speak everything from your foundation about who you are in Christ, you know, how to grow, how to have vision, and then your, your ministry in life. And, you know, that's what we did there this weekend. We had so much fun together. We had an obstacle course from 8.30 at night till, till 10.30 at night. And you started off in the air conditioning with a dry shirt and, and a map. And when you came back, you're completely drenched with sweat. You've traveled five miles in two hours. And your map is just this, this piece of like mud 
in your hand. You can't read it anymore because you sweated so much. And we would have flashlights and we would be like looking on the map and there was, you would eat gnats. You would literally eat gnats out there. It was like, we'd have to move to another spot where there weren't so many gnats and you would just breathe them in. And it was like, it was our, like our, our dessert for that night. We ate so many gnats. And, uh, uh, Jillian, if I, maybe you don't know, but uh, Jillian Turk is the uh, secretary in the Bible College, and she did. Her and her husband Zane, they did just an amazing job of organizing all of the the team building events, the uh, fun activities, you know, the scavenger hunt, the Bible trivia. It was just a, an amazing, eventful weekend, and then. We got to be personally with people, you know, Bible college students. And uh, it's, it's just a, uh, it's a testimony. I didn't, did I say Pastor Schaller came? Yeah, did I say Pastor Schaller came? Pastor Schaller came with Randy Rollins and Pastor Sturge. And it was just like, you know, they care. We had so much care in our church. So I just want to read this verse. This is Paul. He's in prison, and he, he has a message, a personal message that's in his heart. And he says, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, and Paul's a prisoner, not just because he's behind bars, but because God has done this work in his life where he's made choices, where he has said, not my will, but thine. He's a prisoner. And he knows his deliverance, his hope, he's going to discover it in God and nothing outside of that framework. And this is where contentment is, is when we're inside of that frame and we're not looking outside of that frame. And so he's telling people, walk in that way. That's the way that God has called you. And he has this incredible, like, if there's one last thing, it says the word beseech. If there's one last thing, and this, you know, and I'm not like talking to Bible college students only. It's like, if I could tell you one last thing, put your life inside of that frame. And what you'll discover is that a prisoner is actually the freest person in the world. When you're a prisoner of the Lord, you're the freest person in the world. And so, I mean, this is, this is our Bible college. And I said in the earlier class, uh, Pastor Matt Garrett has really just taken it on from Philippe and, you know, he's done one year and Pastor Matt just has such a, a vision of the message of the gospel of God's grace to have it in the Bible college. And, uh, and he has a vision to handle the students with the mind of God, the grace of God. And, and he has vision for the Bible college in terms of number. And then also vision for the Bible college in terms of where the students go and what they do in their lives. And we're so thankful to have that in, you know, in our, in our Bible college. And, uh, just, just the last thing I'll say, um, about the retreat. Um, we had so much joy and fun. And, uh, it's like when you do something together in the body of Christ, and you're inside that framework, you know how many demons aren't there? They're not there. They're just like, it's like, it's like, there's a different, there's a different enjoyment of the fight. When you're outside of that, it even says that in, in Proverbs. It's like the, um, uh, you enter into, uh, the field of the fatherless when you go outside of the boundaries. You enter into this, this orphan spirit when you go outside of the boundaries. But just inside of that, there was just, there was just this con- continual expectation and this edifying of one another while we're there. So, uh, maybe someday we can have a church, a church-wide picnic like that. That would be absolutely incredible where, you know, a bunch of us do something like that and it just really knits us together. But I just, that's just a testimony from the Bible College. Amen. All right, stand again, please. Thank you. It's great to be together. Uh, share, with some, share something with somebody. Did God do something for you this week? He did. 
He did. He made the sun come up. That's amazing. That's a miracle in itself. Maybe something else. Build your neighbor up right now with something of a testimony. Okay. Wow. What, wow. This is so much fun. Praise the Lord. Wow. That's great. Praise God. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor Knight, good to see you. Micah's doing great. Praise the Lord. Let's see. Uh, Malva is here from Sweden. Do you want to stand just for a second? I just want to do a shout out, Malva. Okay, Malva's from Stockholm. Thank you. Um, we have Jonathan's brother from Finland. So, Jonathan, you want to stand for a minute? And then your brother, Benjamin, there he is. So they're brothers, Andrew, James, and John. Weren't they brothers, James and John? Peter and Andrew, and we got Benjamin and Jonathan. Let's see, uh, Sean over here, one of the Vietas, the greatest of the Vietas, is right here. Yeah, that's great to have you. All right, uh, so we're looking at uh, Ephesians 4 this morning and praising the Lord for his work amongst us. And uh, I want to draw a picture. Uh, I want to I show you a verse that maybe just, we'll, we'll just show you the verse and move on. Uh, but First Kings chapter 21 in verse 29. How many know that Ahab, King Ahab, was a very bad king? How many of you know that? He was a bad king. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, Ahab was a bad king. I mean, he was. He was a bad king. All right, isn't that a good way to learn the Bible? I mean, turn to your neighbor. I mean, I think maybe it works. Chapter 21, verse 29. Ahab was told uh, judgment was coming from God. And then, verse 29, God says, Do you see how Ahab humbles himself before me? How could a wicked, evil man humble himself before God? But he did. So turn to your neighbor and say, There's hope for you. <laughs> okay. There's hope for you. Verse 29. Because he humbled himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. What happened to his sons? How many sons did he have? Anybody know? How many sons did Ahab have? Seventy. Very good. Seventy. Seventy sons. What about his wife? We give any mercy for his wife. Seventy sons. Of course, he had more than one wife. Okay. The ladies are quick to correct me. No, I'm kidding. Well, okay. So what happened to his sons? They were all executed by Jehu. Okay. And they had a pile of heads on this side of the gate. How many? Half, 35, and 35 heads of his sons. Did it happen in his lifetime? No, he didn't live to see it. He was already gone. All right. But God, but God was affected in his heart by him, by, by, you know, who was Ahab's wife? I mean, the famous one. Jezebel. All right. Turn to your neighbor and just say, don't ever be a Jezebel. Don't ever be a Jezebel. Go ahead. Cannot happen. Cannot happen. All right. So here's our picture. So now we're going to move on. And we, you, you can look up a king. Manasseh, Second Chronicles 33, similar 
very wicked man for 50 years as a king in Judah. But he humbled himself. He was humbled in Babylon, and, and he humbled himself, and he was restored. He was restored. Amazing stories. I just want you to have that in your mind. So in the years to come, in your meditation, you'll say, I think I remember this lesson. I, that, that lesson, so the Holy Spirit is your teacher. And what happens is you learn something, and you don't know, necessarily know how it relates, but in time, he puts, it, he puts together in your heart lessons. And you tuck it in your life, and it governs your life. It has an effect on your life. You make decisions. You might say, well, I don't know how that relate, will ever relate to my life. You'd be surprised that even a very evil, wicked man could humble himself. And God will say, do you see how he humbles himself? Therefore, this is what I will do for his sake. Which is, that's another message, but anyway. Okay, here is a, 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 a simple principle. Here's a man, and usually the men think a lot about, about men, about people. We think a lot about people. We study people, we know people, we know ourselves. We study and think a lot about ourselves, about our family, uh, about love. One of the reasons is because love, by the way, love, uh, a natural love, a love uh, that is hungry for reciprocal love, uh, community love, we look for uh, in our family, I, I love, and if, if they don't love you, that bothers you. So love can cause trouble. What, a, what an interesting way of thinking about it. Love can cause trouble. What kind of trouble? Naturally. Um, what any, all of us know when you love somebody and they do not love you back, that's a problem. Why don't you love me? I love you. Why don't you love me? So this is like life in, in big, broad strokes, uh, making a point about it. God, the concept of God is small. This is God. What do you think about God? Well, I don't know. Who is God? I don't know. This is unbelievers and believers. I don't know who is God. I don't know God is anything you want him to be. God is, uh, uh, there's all kinds of gods through history. But there are, there's also the Christian God. Uh, there are other gods and so on. And what do you know about him? I don't know, but when I'm in trouble, I think about him a little bit for a few minutes. And then I think a lot about people. I think a lot about myself. I think about my future, my problems, my my um, my hang-ups, my addictions, or my uh, things I can't shake, my bad habits, or the good times, even the things that are very good, I'm afraid of losing them. Uh, somebody could say, I have a lot of money, and I, I live every day afraid of losing the money. I have a very nice family, but I lose, I'm, I'm afraid of the day when it will end. So life is, a, is, a, life is um, like that. And there's something missing. And it's the picture here. Where is God? Well, I don't know God. So that's the problem with the human race. They don't know who God is. They, so, so the picture, what I want to talk about today is this one. That here, here you are and... The concept of God is, is our joy. And imagine if this could happen to me, that my understanding of God would be so uh, full and satisfying to me that, yes, I have my life, 
but it's not the same proportion as it used to be. I have my life, but it's not that important to me. I have found God who's better than life. His love is better than life. What? Yeah, that's crazy. His love is better than life. Wow. Song of Solomon. Your name is as ointment poured forth. Your name, the name of God. Let not a man glory in his wealth or glory in his might, the mighty man in his might, but let him that glory, glory this, that he knows me and he understands me. In Jeremiah 9 and verse 23. So this is our, our subject today. So, first of all, number one, let's uh, do it this way here. Here you are, and there's other people with you. There's other believers with you, and you have a new heart. I'll draw it in there. You have the Holy Spirit. This is Ezekiel 36, 26. You actually have the Spirit of God. What's the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but to show us the Son of God, to show us the Father, to reveal to us the mind of God. And it is a mystery. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we read that this mystery has been hidden from the wise that are in the world, but revealed to us in verse 6. And Christ said it when the 70 returned from evangelism in Luke 10. He said, I thank you, Father. He rejoiced in spirit. I thank you, Father, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent of the world and revealed them unto these babes. These men, these simple fishermen, because they saw God, they saw God. Now, it wasn't that it was intellectual, they just saw God, they got it from the Spirit of God. It wasn't emotional, though they were very happy about what happened, it was that they saw God, they saw the work of God, they saw the Spirit of God. They, they saw it in their work. They saw that Jesus is on the earth to affect people in great uh, numbers. This happened in Israel. They went to the villages and the towns where Jesus was going to come after. And they had raised the dead and cast out spirits. And they had the knowledge of God. And so do you. So... How does it happen? One of the things, what's right down here, we have the Holy Spirit who is in the world to do this in your heart, in your life. You and I must learn to walk in the Spirit. We had a message on that from Galatians 5. And I want to just tell a short story about the struggle that we have about walking in the Spirit. Because we all have something, we have a bad habit, or we have something in our life that resurfaces. And, and this is any number of things that can happen. It can be attitude, it can be an action, it can be just something that plagues you. And you hate it. But actually, you love it. You hate it, but at some time, you like it. You hate it, but you are attracted to it. You hate it, and you so, so you don't ever really deal with it. You don't deal with it. You don't, you don't bring it to the cross. You kind of tuck it away in the cellar, the cellar of your soul. I hate this thing, but, you know, I'm going to get rid of it. And then in my heart somewhere, I don't want to really get rid of it because I might need it. Now I use it a little bit later. I pull it out. And that's not what, what God is saying to, to us. 
in knowing him. What he's saying to us is deal with it. Get rid of it. Drop it. Forget it. Drive it. Throw it away. Cast it away. Just don't, don't acknowledge it. Don't deal with it. I, we see in our society that there are people that are plagued with these things. And I made up a story the other day in my mind about a young guy uh, stalking a woman. And he's infatuated with this woman. He has seen her on Instagram or he saw her at school or something. And he, he has an infatuation. What do you do with an infatuation? Well, God, God, God is in our life. God is in our life. God can deal with that. It says that in Romans 6. That we reckon ourselves to be dead unto sin. But I don't want to be dead unto sin. I want to, like, I want to deal with it, but I'm not going to, I don't know what you say, what you mean by going to the cross. And let me tell it to you right now, clearly. You bring it to the cross. And you're honest with God about it. And you decide in your heart, God is greater than this thing. And I don't need it. I don't need it lurking around in the background. I don't need it lurking around in the cellar of my soul. I don't need it at all. I don't want I do you believe that? No, I don't I don't believe I want it. That's how it is. And so that Christian does he ever get the real understanding of who is God? Does he ever really find out who is God? He says he's a Christian, and very likely he is. I don't know. He could be. And yet he's a Christian without any power. He's a Christian that cannot deal with these things because he doesn't want to. So, so this picture dominates his life, this one. Here, that one. He has love, he has trouble, he has infatuation, he stalks the woman, uh, he's arrested, he's accused, uh, he's uh, bordering on criminal activity, uh, he's plagued, he's got trouble, and he's a believer. And his sin is finding him out. And his problem is plaguing him. And he goes to the church, maybe this one. And he, he sits here and he hears a message like this. But I, I'm, I'm saying, if you and I really want to make progress with God, we cannot play games with God. Are you going to deal with that? Are you, am I going to bless you or not? Are you on my side or you got your own thing going on? And that's the story of the human race. We have our own thing going on. And that, that's why you want to go to God's big x-ray machine and bring your life under the x-ray machine that he has provided for us by the ministry of his word and spirit. Here is the um, second thing, the word or the Bible. And the spirit needs a sword Holy Spirit needs a sword. That's why we are big advocates of our Bible, because the Bible is the sword of the Spirit. Uh, just like a surgeon, he's standing next to a, a patient, and he can't do anything. He knows what he can do. He can save the man's life, but he doesn't have a, a scalpel. He doesn't have a knife. He doesn't have a way to do it. So the Holy Spirit can see that Christian somehow suffering in his life, but he needs a knife. He needs the sword of the Spirit to do the operation in our hearts because we are suffering. Our God is not big enough. Our God is some small little concept that doesn't show up in my prison in my bad habit, in my addiction, doesn't show up in my depression, in my fear, in my failure, in my sin. God is not showing up and showing me who I am, what God, what the Almighty God will do for me. 
How do I know that God is for me? He gave his only son. He gave his son so that if he didn't, if he gave his son, how much more will he freely with him give us all things? Come on, it's got to work. Amen. Okay, so it's got to work. That's my point today. It's got to work. But, but now here's the thing. We, we said in the earlier service, me, I don't know, I got to stop right now for a second. I, got, I know I have your attention, but I'm going to lose you. So what are we going to do about that? Can you go back to that? Can you just tell, tell your neighbor, uh, let's see, uh, just, uh, yeah, a word about that, that diagram. Just tell your neighbor what you just heard. It'll help me. Okay. <clears throat> All right, so Here, here's, a, here's another little picture here. Here is God. Is it possible for a Christian to have another concept of God that's like this one? Could a Christian have the wrong concept of God? Yeah. What kind of God do you think a Christian could have? Just say any number of possibilities. He could be a God that doesn't love me. He's a God that he loves, but he doesn't love me. He could be a hard God, like a legalistic God or a tyrant. He could be tough, hard. He could be soft, passive, indifferent, ungodly, unholy, unholy. Sexual sin, sexual, uh, the culture that we live in is like all out. On propagating uh, uh, information and ideas about God that affects us. Uh, we live in a culture that is bombarding us continually with ideas, advertisements, and so on. And the Christian God could not be. He could. He could be uh, somebody that I don't really know, that I don't really love. But Jesus said at the Last Supper, I go, but I send you another. He'll guide you in the truth. I'll send you another. He's like me. But he's not me. He's the comforter. He's the Holy Spirit. And he will show you. Now, our blessing as spiritual believers is that my, my stuff that I had in the cellar that I would pull out every once in a while, and this, uh, I think, is a dynamic thing, not frozen like you deal with it once and it's done forever. I think there are things that surface out of our sin nature in the course of our life. And if you're not in the habit of being ruthless about being serious about it. If you're not in the habit of bringing it and putting it on the table and saying, here it is, the Lord. I, you put your finger on me. I am unforgiving. Uh, you, uh, you are showing me I am understanding who you are. You are very, very, very kind. When, when we talk about God and his kindness, it's an unbelievable how gentle, how kind, but also God is serious. 
severity of God. The severity of God that Romans speaks about. Behold the goodness and the severity of God. What do you mean? Sodom and Gomorrah. The flood of Noah. Is he serious? He is. Will the world burn up with fire one day? Yes. Will Christ return one day? Yes, he will. Is God a serious God? He is a serious God. But he's so kind. He's so gracious. He's so patient. He's so loving. He is somebody you want to know and grow in and learn about. So the third thing here is that I, I believe, I'm not suggesting for us to be insecure about this diagram, but I, I would like to believe that somehow we will somehow know God in some measure, in some measure, and it be correct. That we will understand that he is a holy God. You see, the world will say, believe in God all day long, but don't say that he is a holy God. They don't say it with those words, but, but I am. He is holy. He is holy. That's why we needed the Holy Spirit to show us God. That's why paganism, they didn't have a holy God. They had sensual gods, ambitious gods, fighting gods. They had uh, all the, uh, all the things of the human heart are like embodied in the gods of the pagan world that go nowhere. They cannot elevate you above yourself. Because they're only a reflection of you. But our God is different. Our God is a holy God. He is the only wise God. Other gods are stupid or foolish. We're watching it happen in our culture. As they have left God and they embrace the imaginations of their own hearts. And they don't even know what sex they are. What a ridiculous concept. What a foolish thing that, that is in Romans one twenty three, professing to be wise, but have become fools. Okay, so what do we want to say today about us? It's number three on our list here, uh, this one. It's Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. People, let's turn there. We're going to finish up in a few minutes here, but this is good. Ephesians 4.11, he gave some apostles. These are people. Apostles, um, they wrote the New Testament. Also, the apostles did great works, and they walked with Jesus except Paul, but Paul walked, met Jesus also. Uh, we say we don't have them today. We, we, they did their work and they laid the foundation of the apostles and prophets of chapter 2 and verse 20. Now, uh, Jesus gave them to us, to the church. And now we have the scriptures and we have prophets. They, those are men that have a message for the hour. We have evangelists. Those are the men that God raised up to do the work of evangelism. And in all way, in, in many ways, we are all evangelists to some degree to share our faith and some pastors and teachers. These are people for the perfecting of the saints, verse 12. The saints maturing. Do I need a pastor teacher? Yes, I do. One of the messages I share with people when I'm going about my day, I'm in Lowe's or I'm on a street or get my hair cut at the barber shop or whatever. I just say, do you go to church? I, I'll say to a cashier, did you go to church today? Or did you, did you go last week? Did you go to church? No, I didn't go. I don't go to. Oh, you need a church. Oh, it's amazing. I love my church. It's amazing. You got to go to church. That's that's I just say thank you very much. You need to go to church and then go away, walk away. I I didn't lead them to Christ. I I didn't have time, or it wasn't the time or the opportunity. But people say, "Hey, good day, good day, good day." Did you go to church? I love my church. It's amazing. Have you been there? If you go there, you might get born again, and Christ change your life. You might hear a message of grace. You go there. Any, I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about church. 
the way Teddy Roosevelt told about it in the Saturday Evening Post back in 1910 or whenever it was. He wrote that Americans should go to church, and he gave like eight reasons. And like, look, Google it and look it up and read about it, and you can talk about it. I want people to be born again. I'd like people to grow in the faith. And the greatest gift that I could have, I've got the body of Christ, and in the body are the gifts of God that are operating in the body, that are helping me to know God. Where did the gentleness come from? I saw it in somebody in the church. Where did the wisdom come from? I saw it in somebody in the church. How did you learn that? I heard it in the, from the pulpit in my church. It helped me. Where did you meet a godly person? I met them in the church. They sit in the third row right over here. Where did you, how did you get that? How did, how come, how, where, how did you go this summer somewhere? I don't, I don't know. I just jumped in and went along with the group and I ended up in Argentina. And it was, it was a lot of fun. I saw God move. I saw God answer prayer. I saw something. That's how it goes. That's why you, you need to also, when you go to church, kind of linger, like learn about that. Like linger, learn, learn, get to know people you don't know. Uh, and just be led. It's not a program. It's just be led by God in the body of Christ. So this is what happens. Verse 12. There is the maturing of the saints. They grow up. They're maturing. Turn to your neighbor and say, have you changed in the last two years? Doesn't look like you have at all. <laughs> Haven't changed. You got some gray hair. That's all you got. That's what changed. You gained 15 pounds in two years. That's what you got. Have you changed? Now listen. You know, we do change, but we don't see it. We grow. This is what the text is saying. We'll read it. We do change because God ordained for the body of Christ to grow up into him. We become like him little by little from glory to glory. A lot of believers say, you know, I'm I'm saved. I'm going to go to heaven one day. And then then you say to them, do you go to church? No, I've been there, done that. No, I, I don't go anymore. No, I don't have time. No, I don't. And I, my answer, my attitude is, I, it's a priority in my life. It's a priority. It's like big on my list. It helps me a lot because of what I can see there, what I can hear, because of the joy that's there, the love that is there, the spirit of God that is there. I always say um, church life is something like a marriage. If you have a good marriage, it's the greatest thing going on in the world. If it's a bad marriage, it's one of the worst things going on in the world. Really, bad marriage is like not fun. Not fun. Sad. Hard. Bad marriage. Church life is like that too. Church life can be hard. It can That's why some people don't go. But when it's good, when the Spirit is teaching us, when we are learning him, learning him, church is not God, but God has ordained. Let me show you something. God uses means. Here's God. And I'll put here means when I explain what it what I mean by that. Um, he, used, he wants to get, God wants to get the world over here. He wants to do something. God wants to do something. So how can he do it? Well, he's God. He can just do it himself. And, but then he says, then he says to us, I want to use you. I want to use you as my means. I want to use you as a tool. 
And the best illustration of that is like, like uh, farming. Here's the earth. God has made vegetables and trees and birds and all kinds of things in the earth. And, and, we, and the Lord will say, I want to have a farm. And we say, Lord, you are God and you made everything, so go ahead, make a farm. And he goes, no, I, I need a means to make a farm. What do you mean, Lord? He goes, I need a farmer to make a farm. So he makes a farmer. What does a farmer do? He works. He tills the ground. He waters the plant. He plants. He works. Could God have a farm without a farmer? And I think God would answer us and say, no, I'm not doing that. When I made the world, I planted a garden and I put man in there. And man is the means. And it hasn't changed. Like God uses you. Like prayer is something like this too. We say, why, Lord, why do you have us pray? Why, why, you are God. You, you can do anything and you can do things on your own and just do it. And the Lord say, no, I'm, I need you. Why? Because I want you to know me. I want you to walk with me. I want you to be with me in it. I want you to wrestle with me. I want you to walk with me. I want you to sit with me. I want you to wait on me. I want you to hear from me. I want you to obey me. I had that illustration of my son Justin, like when he was a teenager, like put your bicycle in the shed because it's going to rain. So he was, you know, I made up the story, but... I don't really remember if it really happened this way because I just made it up. It might have. He didn't do it. So it rains and the bicycle is wet and so on, you know. So I had the authority and the understanding that the bicycle needs to go under cover, but my authority stops at his disobedience. The bicycle isn't, isn't protected. It's not there because he didn't do what I said. Life is like that with God. Like I can do it, but I want you to work with me because you are mine. I purchased you so that you would be different. You would obey and find and discover. And so get that thing out of the cellar. And deal with that thing because I am God. I'm a holy God. And you will find a blessing in your life because my hand will be on you. And I will get things done through you. Because I am a God who uses you and I need that. I need your, I need you to know who I am so that your, my, the love. Here's the, here's the thing about this. Here's a bad habit. How do you get rid of a bad habit that you are kind of hiding in the cellar? Here is the answer. If you have a stronger affection, if you have love, not human love, but a love, the love of the love that is God, that that uh relationship with God will eliminate that thing. It will. It may come back, but it will eliminate it. It may resurface, but it will come back. We'll just say, the love that I have with God is so good that I'll bring that thing up out of the cellar and put it right there, smack it down. That baby is right there. God, that's your business. Deal with that thing through the cross. Thank you very much. I know who you are. And God will say, thank you. I love it that you are walking with me. And we are actually, fi- I, you are finding out who I really am. And that's the testimony of your life in this world that we are living in. It is that let my people that know me do great exploits in the book of Daniel. 
They are great. So that's the end of the message. I mean, I could go on, but I, I want to finish and just say, I think you got it. I really want this. We didn't, let's do that one verse. It says, just the, but the truth, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. In verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up. That's where we are. That's where we're ending right there. But speaking the truth in love, that's to yourself, to each other. But speaking the truth in love, and it, it can be tough. The truth can be tough. Wow. And please keep coming to church and learning. And have your own Bible and start reading and read the Gospel of John. And we have a, a new program starting up. It's called Newcomers. It's for the newcomers. And uh, we'll have it in the cafe on, um, which night is it? Tuesday night, I think. Tuesday night, it'll ha- it'll have it'll start it up, I think, in a couple weeks, and we'll be letting you know about it. But have your own Bible, walk with the Lord by faith, and believe what I'm saying today from the Scripture. Believe me. Believe me. You say, can it happen to me? I go, yes. But you got to do some, you got to do a little bit of work on it in your heart. Do I want it? Do I want to follow Jesus? Do I want to know who he really is? Do I I believe this is really important for me? Uh, Is this a better way of living? Is this, I I don't know about this. You you have to do some hard work and ask God and be a listener. Be a listener. Listen to messages and read good books that will edify you and stir you up in your heart. Because I want your life to be built up and edified in Jesus Christ. Because one day... We're going to see him. And it'll be such a joy. I know you. I know you. Oh, I know you. Is he going to say that to us? And are we going to say that to him? I hope so. Okay, amen. Did you pray? Lord, put it in our hearts, take it to heart, each of us, each of us, help us, help us, help others, help us, yes, Lord, help us, helping others, in word and deed, yes, Lord, help us, fill us with your spirit and lead us in the knowledge of who you are, with a lot of joy, a lot of fun. A lot of connections with people, and we are serious in our hearts with it. Thank you, Lord. Anyone here listening and you're not yet a believer in Christ, come to him. He has answers for you. He has a ministry for you. He cares about you, and you need it. Let your guard down. Let your guard down just between him and you. Let your guard down. Don't fight him. Don't resist him. Receive from him. He's for you. His arms are stretched out all the time for you. He loves you. In Jesus' name. Amen. The end of the service. Do we have a song? Okay. The end of the service. Could the Greater Grace Pastors come on down front? If you want to have somebody to lay their hand on you or say a prayer or answer a question or spend a few minutes, uh, just come on down and meet these pastors. And then Matt will sing and then dismiss them. Thank you.